0: Welcome everybody to all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities, way to go. You made it to church. I know it takes an effort to get to church, especially on a gorgeous day like we're having in Minnesota, so way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online today across the country and world. We know that this is your church and we welcome you as always. And I'm so glad all of you are here or dialing in online because we are in a series called Shatterproof, where Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, look, we're we're pressed. We're pressed, but we're not crushed, we're persecuted. But not abandoned, we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. So we're shatterproof. We have these things going on. He goes on to say, We endure troubles and hardships, notice, of every kind. <laughs> you know, most people try to avoid trouble, but Paul says we are going to have troubles of every kind: troubles at work, with health, family members, anxiety. We endure troubles and hardships of every kind, but he says we can be shatterproof because those of us who are believers have access to a power that unbelievers don't have. We have access to the power of God who lives within us. In fact, he says it this way, we have this treasure inside Jesus Christ. We have this treasure to show everybody that our power comes from God and not from ourselves. I don't know about you, but I need a power outside of myself to face the difficulties and struggles that I have on a daily basis. And I've just asked the question, what areas in life do you have trouble the most? I think a lot of people, one of the areas many people experience trouble is in the area of money. I mean, don't raise any hands on this, but how many of you would say that money is a source of trouble for you? So you worry about it, you argue over it never seem to have enough of it. Money is a source of worry and trouble for you. I read this week that 60% of all Americans have anxiety over the issue of money. Another question is, how many of you would love to be free of that anxiety and trouble and become shatterproof in the area of money? Paul spends two full chapters, chapter 8 and 9 in 2 Corinthians, in the series on shatterproof talking about how we can be shatterproof in the area of money. And the key phrase, the key verse is this in chapter 8. Whoever sows sparingly, it's a farming term, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he says this, and God is able to make all grace, all goodness abound Love that word, abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, here it is again, you will abound in every good work. I love this word, abound. It means that God intends for us to be people of abundance and people of fullness. Last week, I was abounding in Montana. It was a great trip. very close a friend of mine invited me, and we talked about climbing Holland Peak, but it's an absolutely brutal climb. And my friend is 69, and I could tell he was waffling. So he suggested we just play golf and relax. I said, this is our chance to abound. We should try to abound. It was brutal. It just about killed me. Six hours vertically straight up. We packed a tent and sleeping bags, had to stay overnight. But check this out. I mean, check it out. This is what happens when you abound. That would never happen if I didn't spend four days a week at Snap Fitness bored out of my skull on the elliptical machine and lifting weights, because abounding never comes easily. There's a price to pay when it comes to abounding. The day after we got back, I got this text from him. He said, thanks so much for nudging me up the mountain. Huge challenge, great feeling of prevailing, major boost to our friendship. Thanks for everything. It was awesome, he said. Anybody can play golf. Not everybody abounds. Paul says in all things, all times, having all that you need, you can abound in every good work. Now, some of you are like, so nice for you, Bob. So nice. I've got three little kids with a mountain of laundry. How do I abound with that? After church last weekend, I was walking out to my car and I saw a young mom, no kidding, she was trying to cram her screaming kids into the minivan. And I could tell she wasn't abounding. It's very discerning. She was just surviving, because isn't it true, sometimes you just got to survive before you can abound. Maybe she can abound when the kids go to bed later on. She has a moment to herself, or when they get up and give her a hug in the morning. But she's got to find ways to abound even in the chaos. Whether it's raising kids, going to school, or starting a career. Isn't this true? Abounding. This got stuck last time too. Abounding rarely comes without surviving and sacrificing and just grinding it out sometimes. You got to do it. But again, when it comes to money, are, are you abounding today? Or are you just surviving? Do you have an abounding mentality when it comes to money and resources? Or do you have a scarcity mentality? I'll be honest, I grew up with a scarcity mentality partly because we were so poor. We had five kids in our family. My dad was a pastor in Norway, Michigan, and his starting salary at that church was $50 a week. I mean, we were just poor. All my clothes growing up through junior high were hand-me-down. Not once do I ever remember going to a store and buying a new pair of pants or a new pair of shoes. When my pants got worn out, my mom would sew patches on the holes. And that was before patches and holes in jeans were cool. I mean, they they sell them with holes in them today. And I'm like, what's wrong with you people? But anyway, that's what they do. My pants were worn out. She'd sew holes. We were just poor. My parents always gave 10% of everything they earned back to God. But for my dad especially, it really wasn't an abounding or generous thing for him. It was purely an obedience thing. And sometimes that's okay, you just gotta be obedient. They never owned a home until they were 60 years old. My dad built a, an A-frame cabin on Lake Mille Lacs by himself, pretty much. But growing up, I could see that money was a struggle for my dad. And it made him really anxious, and really protective, and kind of in, you know, withdrawn. So one Christmas, we bought my dad a new fishing pole, because his were all just terrible junk that he bought at garage sales. So we bought him this brand new graphite rod and reel, and that spring I drove up to his cabin to take him fishing. But instead of using his new pole, he dragged out some rusty old piece of junk with rotten line on it. I said, Dad, where's your new pole? He says, Well, it's up in the attic. I said, What's it doing in the attic? He says, Well, I'm saving it. I said, For what? You're 65. I mean, use your new pole. Couldn't get him to use it. A few years later, his retirement fund was finally starting to grow a little bit, and whenever I'd drive up to see him, he'd always mention his IRA. He was kind of proud of that and always talking about and looking forward to some future day when he could finally enjoy his retirement a little and abound. But then you know what he did? He died. At 71 with his fishing pole, still in the attic, and his IRA, still in his account. Gang, I love my dad. He's my hero. He's the reason I'm a pastor today. He's the reason I'm a leader and love the outdoors. But he had a hard time abounding. He had a scarcity mentality. So he missed a lot of the fullness that I think God had in store for him. Paul says, look, God is able to make all grace, all goodness abound to you so that in all things, at all times, you have all that you need so that you can abound. So I just want to ask you a question. Are you all abounding today? Or are you just scraping by and struggling I want to talk to you about three key principles in the time we have left that lead to abounding and abundance. And right out of the gate, this is going to sound counterintuitive. You're never going to hear this on TV today, okay? This is going to be counterintuitive, comes right out of the Bible. But Paul says, the first principle is this you got to so generously. Right before Paul talks about abounding, he says, look, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He says the first step to abounding is you've got to sow generously. Now, any farmer knows about this. If you put a few seeds in the ground, you're going to get a small harvest, If you put a lot of seeds in the ground, you can expect a large harvest. Whoever sows sparingly gets a small harvest. Whoever sows generously, just throwing seeds all over the place, will reap generously. Simple farming principle, the more you put in, the more you get out. Friends, this is true with farming, investing, studying, serving. It's true in your friendships. It's true in your marriage, fitness, the more you put in, the more you get out, and it's true with money. Paul says the pathway to abundance is to sow generously. Look at Proverbs 11, says about this, one person gives freely so you'd think they wouldn't have as much. One person gives freely, but look what happens, and gains even more. Yet another person withholds, so you'd think that person logically would have more because they're withholding, they're keeping, and yet they lose all they have. It's the mystery, I'm telling you, there's a mystery in this of giving and receiving, and I know it's illogical, it doesn't make sense, Logic says if I give some of my money away, I'm going I'm to have less than I would. But God says if I give some of my money away to his purposes, if I so generously, I'm going to gain back even more. And this is what I call this. I call this the God factor. Very simple. There's a, there's a God factor at play. When it comes to abundance, there's a God factor at play, gang, that cannot be explained by human reason or logic, and what it comes down to is this. Who or what am I really going to trust? Because I believe sowing generously is not really a money issue. It's primarily a trust issue. Who or what am I going to trust in this life? Am I going to trust in the all-loving, all-powerful God who created everything that exists? This same God who's given me life and talent and energy to produce and promises to supply all of my needs, or am I going to trust in little old me to pull all this off? Going back to our key verse, it says, God is able to make you abound. You don't make you abound. Your broker doesn't make you abound. God has given you life. God has given you talent. God gives you the ability. He gives you the breath to to produce and create. And God can do so much more when you involve him. He is able to make you abound so that in all things, all times, having all that you need. I'm telling you, there is a God factor at play that when we sow generously, God makes our lives abound. But he's not just talking about financial reward. Don't misunderstand me. Because later on, he says, when we sow generously, he you will be made rich, here's the key word, in every way. Not just monetarily. But when we sow generously, we're generous with our lives, God will make us rich in every way. This is not a magic bullet to become wealthy financially. It may include financial reward. But even better, you can begin to abound relationally with friendships that enrich your life for years and years. Maybe with a fantastic, meaningful marriage, either now or someday. Maybe with kids who grow up, love God, leave home, and become a joy to you. It's so good when they leave home. But when they leave, as people who love God and are productive, there's nothing better, I'm telling you. You could abound with great health, perhaps, or a job and purpose that just rocks you and fills your life because some people, isn't this true, some people make boatloads of money, but they make a mess of their life. Gang, that is not abounding. Some people make a lot of money, but they lose their kids to secularism and addictions That is not abounding. Some people make a lot of money, but they lose their health or their joy or their purpose in life. God can make you rich on every occasion in every way, but I'm telling you, it starts by putting him first and putting him first in this area that is so close to us and something that we hang on to for dear life. God says, will you trust me in that? and being generous second principle that comes out of this text is you got to sow whether you have a little or a lot because some people think I got to have a lot to sow but one thing farmers never do who don't have a lot if you're a farmer you don't have a lot the one thing you don't do is skimp on sowing seeds because you need that harvest if a farmer is struggling the one thing he absolutely does is he sows seeds Look at Paul says a few verses earlier, he says, I want you to know about the Macedonian church, out of their extreme poverty, they welled up and gave richly. They didn't have a lot, but they gave what they could. They gave out of poverty. Now most of us will never experience poverty because we live in excess. We do. Some of you say, Bob, what excess? I have no excess. I've got bills to pay and mortgage, school loans, we live paycheck, what excess? I'm telling you, most of us have excess. If you have cable TV, for example, that's excess. Eating out is excess. A mobile device is excess. Three TVs are excess. Ordering online is excess. Season tickets are excess. Pokemon Go is excess, and so stupid, (laughs) I think. It's all excess. A pheasant hunt to South Dakota is absolutely a necessity. So just so we're (laughs) clear on that, thank you for clapping. I love that. Now, nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong absolutely with any of that. But most of us have access. We just don't think we do because we watch Beachfront Bargain Hunt on HGTV and wonder, how come I don't have that? We have a problem with comparing Comparing leads to discontentment and thinking we don't have enough. Most of us whew, have excess. The closest my wife and I were to poverty was our three years at Penn State University. We were 31 years old, two kids. For a job, I raked leaves at our apartment complex for $4 an hour. hour. Now think of that. 31 years old, master's degree, raking leaf, leaves for 4 bucks an hour. Laurie would walk our two kids around to find me, raking, and she would say, let's go find Daddy. And I still remember my family coming down the sidewalk toward me at Nittany Garden Apartments and my wife hugging me and telling me it would be okay. I mean, we had tuition bills, two little kids, no jobs, rent to pay, but we still gave 10% of my earnings to the church that we attended there in State College, Pennsylvania. My first paycheck... Was $80. So 10%. We gave $8 to that little church there in Pennsylvania, and it didn't make any sense financially. But we just believed that eventually God would honor our obedience to Him. Three months later, almost to the day, I was hired by the university to teach speech courses. I was also hired by a church who just lost their pastor to retirement. My wife was hired. to manage some apartments while staying at home with the kids because we had that value. I graduated with money in the bank, and then we came to Minnesota. And gang, over the past 25 years, God has done something in our life and in our church that just absolutely shocks both of us. And we just believe. We, We believe it all goes back To trusting and giving back to God, whether we had a little or a lot, not without sacrifice, not without some hard years and tough times, but by staying faithful to Him and trusting that God would eventually bless us. And He has in spades, He's made us rich in every way relationally with our kids with a purpose with a job that I just can't believe I get to do this so so whether you have a lot or a little and the final principle is this so decisively because some people don't have a plan you got to have a plan if you're going to sow, and he says this, whoever sows sparingly, reaps, sparingly, generously reaps generously, each person should give what they have decided, what they've decided in their heart to give. So I want to ask you a question. Have you made a decision about giving? Because if you don't decide, you're not going to sow. And if you don't sow... You're not going to abound, and if you don't abound, you're going to struggle in some area in your life. But it's a decision that every person has to make in their heart. Now, I've talked about this many times. But Laurie and I made a decision about giving 37 years ago that we've never broken. And God has so richly blessed that decision that we would never not do it. It's a plan that my kids follow. It's a plan that many of you follow. And it's a plan that we believe God absolutely honors and blesses. We believe that because we've lived our lives according to this plan, that 2 Corinthians 9-11 has come true. God will make you rich in every way so that. Now, here's the reason. God will do this so that we can be generous on every occasion. It's not just for us. It's not so we can accumulate and gain more and more things and stuff for us just to leave here on planet Earth. And this plan is, is simply called the ten ten eighty plan. It's very familiar to most of you or some of you. Every paycheck we've ever earned, we give 10% right back to God because God gives us life and breath and energy, and he, and he gives us health, and he can take it away just like that. We honor God with the first 10%. We save 10% and we live on the 80%. So we, we give, we save, and we live. We give, we save, and we live. And God has so blessed this plan. We would never turn back on it. Some of you are thinking, Bob, you are absolutely insane. Crazy talk. I mean, we we would never do that, and I, I get it. I totally get that sentiment, because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up, and truthfully, it doesn't make sense on the human level, but here's the question. What if, what if the God factor is real, and God's just waiting for some of you to take a step up? What if God wants to be involved in your life in every area, but you're just holding back? What if the God factor is real? What if you decide to sow generously and God causes you to reap generously in ways that you could never predict or explain? What if 2 Corinthians 9, 8 is true, that God is able to make all grace and goodness abound to you so that in all things, all times, all that you need... You will abound in every good word? What if God is just waiting for you to trust him and honor him with the first 10% of all he's poured into your life? I'm telling you, friends, this is not a money issue. This is a who am I going to trust. This is a trust issue. I want you to hear the story of Jeremy and Stephanie Brandt, who are Blaine attenders, fantastic people, leaders in our church involved in healing Haiti. We caught up with them at the Leadership Summit, and they told their story about how God has honored their generosity. Watch this, and then we'll come to conclude.
1: My name is Jeremy. Me and my wife, Stephanie, have been coming to Eagle Brook since 1995. Uh, We currently attend the Blaine campus, and one of the things we love most about our church is their willingness to talk about tough topics, especially when it comes to money. Money is always a tough topic to talk about, let alone in church. Uh, Growing up, money talks in church always had this negative connotation, like you're required to give. Since then, I've learned that giving is actually a blessing and it's a heart condition. And when we got married in 2000, I knew this was a practice we wanted to consistently do.
2: For me, when we got married, I knew Jeremy wanted to give 10%, and I was a little skeptical at first. I admit I wasn't totally on board. 10% seemed like a lot of money to me, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to part with that much money right away. When we kind of first started hashing out the 10% idea, we were both working, so we had two incomes. So I think the more money you have, it's not as painful to, you know, tithe off the top. But we decided that I was gonna stay home with the kids um, when they were born, so we had um, two girls pretty close together. And that's when money got really tight. And um, <laughs> I think as the, as the mom not making the money, it's even tougher because you wanna hang on to what you do have rather than keep tithing when it's tough. But God always came through. I remember a couple specific instances where uh, we didn't have enough money to pay the bills. So we still tithed. Um, and then things would come up throughout the month where God would provide. And we would just know that it was worth it.
1: There are months when I know we both would look at each other and say, I can't believe we're giving this when we don't know how we're gonna pay our mortgage or how we're gonna pay rent. But we always trusted that God was there with us. We put our faith in that and we knew this was the right thing. And to be honest, now we're to the point where, this might sound silly, we're afraid not to give because God has blessed us so much Um, And it's not money, it's not always financial, it's our kids, we have great kids. It's our friendships, it's our church. Um, All of those blessings really, I believe, are a blessing directly from our obedience to God in making that tithe.
2: For me, it's totally a heart issue. I think of the verse, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Um, If we seek first God's kingdom, um, we give Him the first fruits of our money. Write that check at the first of the month before you pay the bills, before anything else, and then God's gonna bless everything after that.
1: The biggest thing I can think of when I think of how we've affected our family is one night, laying in bed with my daughter, and she reached into her um, pocket, and she pulled out a dollar. And um, she said, Daddy, I wanna give this to you. And it was... um, a dollar for me to go to haiti that was my first trip ever to haiti and she said i want to contribute to your team Um, and it's just one of those moments where you realize they see what you're doing they know what we're doing Um, they don't know the amounts they don't see the checks but how we live our lives and the generosity we give they understand that and they're picking it up it doesn't matter how much money you have it's trusting god and you do it as a commitment to God and saying, listen, God, I trust you, and I know that you're going to use this money in the right way. I just think it resets your whole values. It makes your priorities saying, God's first in line, and after that, we'll deal with what comes.
0: That a great story. Way to go, guys. Jeremy, Stephanie, so proud of you guys. Hey, uh, in the middle of writing this message last week, I had to leave the office briefly and on my way back, there was a guy standing on the corner of my turning lane and he had lost one of his legs. And he was holding a cardboard sign that said, traveling on my last leg. <laughs> That's pretty creative. Um, but of course, I had a red light and so we were, I was sitting there in the lane and he was right there and he was staring at me through my windshield and I was staring back at him and, and. Uh, But I almost never give money to people on corners uh, because I think many of them could work. Sometimes it's used for drugs or alcohol. Plus, I'd left my wallet at the office, so I had no money to give anyway. Drove past him. I pulled into our office, which is just two blocks away from that corner. Thought I was in the clear. But walking from my car to the office door, God's spirit just hammered on me. And I've never heard God speak an audible voice, but you you know it when God begins to speak to you by his spirit. And he grabbed me, and I sensed him saying, So, Bob, you're a pastor and a Christian. You're walking on two legs from your car to your air-conditioned office, and you just passed a guy who's standing on a corner with one leg, grab your wallet and go talk to him, and I thought, I don't want to go talk to him. (laughs) Certainly don't want to grab my wallet. God's Spirit pushed me. Grab your wallet. Go talk to him. I pushed back and said I'm busy writing a message on being generous. <laughs> so I grabbed my wallet and walked over to this guy and all kinds of traffic was passing by. It was a little embarrassing for me to stand out there. I said, "Hey. I said, my name is Bob. What's your name?" He said, "My name's Troy. My friends call me Hopper." <laughs> I kind of laughed at that. And I asked him all kinds of questions. I wanted to get to know him a little bit. He was tw- he's 21 years old from Texas. Said he never met his dad. His mom's boyfriend just kicked him out. So he's been drifting cross country with a friend whose mother just happens to live a couple blocks from our office. And so here, this kid is standing on the corner, random kid from Texas, and there I'm standing with him. He lost his legs while one of his legs while hopping trains. He missed time to jump, and one of the wheels got him. So he's he says he's worked odd jobs. He went to college for a day, but now he just drifts. And so I said, I said Hopper, I said, uh, I'm a Christian. I said, where does Jesus fit in your life? He said, yeah, you know, I, I believe in God, but I don't think you have to go to church to be a believer. And I said, well, you're absolutely right about that. But I said, one of the best churches in the country is just one mile up the road from here, and I don't know what God thinks of this, but I said, I'm going to make you a deal. I've got some money in my wallet for you, but you've got to come to church this weekend. And... I said, and bring your friend and his mom. So I gave him some money, and he said that he would come. Because you never know what God will do when somebody walks into a church like this church. And then he asked me for a ride to his friend's mom's place, so I drove him home. But here's what I would say if I was Hopper's dad. I'd say, son, you matter to God more than you know. And God loves you so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay for your sins and mine. I would say if you asked him to forgive you and if you put your trust in him, he would become your savior and your friend and you would never have to be alone ever again. I'd say, Son, you lost your leg, but you don't have to lose your life. Ask God to lead you. Attend a great church. Find some good people. And find a job where you can become independent and build a future for yourself because the road that you're on right now is not a good one. It won't lead to the abounding kind of life. I'd say, I'd say, Troy... God is able to make all grace abound to you. He is. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in every good work. But you've got to start trusting him with every area of your life. God did not put me on this planet just to accumulate a lot of stuff for myself. God did not put you all on this planet just to accumulate and consume a lot of stuff. But God will make you rich in every way if you trust him so that you can be generous on every occasion. So that when you meet a guy like Hopper, God will do something in your heart. When God calls on you to be generous, you'll say, it doesn't make sense, but I'm just going to trust you, God. You're such a great church. I love being the leader of this church. God has blessed me. And my prayer is that God leads and blesses all of you as well. At all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer and be on our way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. This was a tough one today. This is such a collision with where we all live. It's a collision in my own spirit because my human nature wants to hang on. I feel insecure hang on to every dollar I make. God, it's really hard for me and for most of us to let go and to trust you. But I pray that today will be a a new day for a lot of people. And God, I pray that for those of us who begin to take those steps of being generous, I pray that you will (laughs) show up and you'll make us abound in ways that we could have never predicted or seen coming. God, I thank you for all of the folks here who are generous and who make this place go and make your kingdom spread around the world. Bless them in a rich way. Now we leave this place with your blessing and your, your truth within us pray that you'll help us all make great decisions this week about how to live this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great to be with you all today.